Thanks for listening to the KC Morning Show. What day is it? Today is like no other. <laughs> National Fried Chicken Day. If you love fried chicken, and I made fried chicken, and I know that you love fried chicken, why would I make oiled turkey? Truth be told, I do love fried chicken. Mm, I love fried chicken. His finger looking good. I am Harlan, a robot technology, and I want to wish you a happy National Fried Chicken Day. It's showtime. Everything's running smoothly. Yo, yo, yo! Yo! What is going on? My name's Hartzell, and this right here, it's your KC Mobile Show! Oh, the Husky was not a fan of that intro. Sorry, baby girl. My name's Hartzell. What's the word? Kansas City. A happy hump day, baby, to the KC Morning Hoes. On the show today, we have a real treat, an important episode, and we're kicking it off with our friends from Missourians for Alternatives to the Death Penalty. Michelle Smith joining us for the first time on your KC Morning Show. They've been doing some incredible work, and I've been wanting and hoping to amplify them for a long time, and we finally got the chance and I'll tell you right now we're gonna have Michelle back on this show because she was preaching and we need a whole lot more of that right now after that my friends we do some hump day tunes courtesy of Raven Reed back on your KC morning show Raven has a new single that is out it is real good and by real good it is excellent and we're gonna play it for you here yes right here on your KC morning show rate review subscribe do that thing you do Kansas City I love you appreciate you we got a damn good thing it is a good day to be a Kansas Cityan always because of you Kansas City don't forget that because of you it's a good day we'll see ya in the morning bye this thing you don't roads are fun nowhere else the casey morning show for the first time on your kc morning show they have been doing some amazing vital necessary life-saving work and i mean that literally on the show director of community outreach for missourians for alternatives to the death penalty michelle smith on your kc morning show welcome thank you for being here how can we help Thank you. Thank you very much for having me on. We appreciate it. Presently, my organization is uplifting the issues surrounding the death penalty or capital punishment, as some people call it, in our state of Missouri. This is a practice that, you know, we and most citizens in our state do not agree with. It's not something that solves any crime or actually has any redeeming value within the criminal justice system. So it is something that we are working to abolish. And And also we are supporting campaigns and people who are actually facing the death penalty in our state and to uplift them, uplift these issues and to really, you know, gain community support behind uh, this work. So how long have you all been doing this? So MADP has been an organization since 2005. I myself have been with the organization for a little bit less than two years. Our approach to abolishing the death penalty is called abolition by attrition. And that simply means that we tackle these issues in the small ways that we can, you know, in ways like community activism and and educating our community about the harms of the death penalty and getting support there. We also deal with our state legislature as well, you know, trying to get them on board and ultimately trying to 
to pass a abolition bill. You know, and that's something that we've been working on and we continue to in different smaller things in our state, like something called non-unanimous verdict. So when a a jury does not come back with a, a unanimous verdict. There have been times where judges have rendered the verdict and, you know, given people the death penalty. So we definitely don't think that's okay either. You know, we tackled the uh, death penalty in small ways and ultimately, you know, tackle those small issues that are going to lead to abolishing the practice overall. So where are we at, especially here in the heartland here in Missouri, when so many folks, you know, that mentality of an eye for an eye, but they forget about the back end where it does, in fact, make the whole world blind. But I feel like there is a bit of momentum for this as we are trying to get rid of the death penalty, maybe even just quit calling it capital punishment. You know, that's a start because this is death. We're talking about taking someone else's life. Where are we here (laughs) in the heartland as far as sentiment on this goes? Well, I think that when when studies have been done and people have been asked, uh, most of our state does not agree with the death penalty, probably in the larger metropolitan areas of St. Louis and Kansas City. It's a little higher, probably 70 to 80 percent. And even in our rural communities, it is over 60 percent. And I will say that you know, this issue is not just um, something that happens in our cities. Of course, when we look at the history of the death penalty, it is a regurgitation of lynching, right? It, it comes from a time in our past where people's lives were not valued and people were not considered human. So even though it comes from that history, present day, it affects everyone. And in our rural counties, currently there are 15 cases pending of people looking at, you know, sentences of death penalty, and those are all white men. So even though, you know, like I said, this issue is rooted in something that is historically racist and horrible, everyone is affected. And I mean, everyone, I mean, poor people, right? Black, white, rural communities, people in the urban areas, people who are struggling, who, you know, have mental illnesses, just people in our communities that are working poor and poor. Those are the people affected by the census. We don't have upper, you know, middle class or, you know, rich people facing this ultimate punishment because they can afford better legal representation. They can afford to have their humanity and their cases looked at in a deeper way than people who are poor. So this is an issue that started, like I said, racially, but present day, it is definitely race-based and it's class-based. And we really want the people in our rural communities to understand that and to stand with us, you know, um, in solidarity to get rid of this barbaric practice because it doesn't help anybody. First of all, it doesn't bring anybody back, right? In the past, they've said, oh, death penalty is a deterrent for future, you know, crime. That's not true. We, we see it's not true. There's a saying, you keep doing the same thing over and expecting a different result is a definition of insanity. Well, in our criminal justice system, we have been practicing insanity for years. We want to be tougher on crime and crime is not stopping. So obviously the things that we've been doing are not working and we need to reimagine what you know safety means, what security means, and what it actually means to lower our crime and lower the instances where we're losing anyone, including the people on death row, but including also victims. So that is some work that you know we put in and we continue to. And again, I appreciate you bringing me on to kind of amplify these issues. 
Well, and I'm just so happy that you're here and doing this. And I feel like so many of us, we, we've been trying to find ways while this window might be open to find ways to coalition build. So many folks out there are trying to, to make so much what we are doing confrontational amongst each other. So how do we coalition build and bring people into this movement? Are you seeing that it is that class argument? Some folks, let's just be honest, they don't want to hear about the race of it all, which is unfortunate and they could get a lot out mm-hmm. of it. But it doesn't seem to be resonating, at least not in the scale that we need it. Is the class argument, is that working? You know, um, it it is working and that is definitely what the problem is. When we look at these issues, even historically, there was a time when those who were wealthy, they purposely instilled in the poor white class of people to have these animosity and feelings about black people, right? So even at that time, those who were wealthy, they saw a benefit of pitting the immigrants who were coming in, the Irish and the Italian immigrants coming in who were poor, who were people, you know, that were new to this land and just trying to survive themselves. There was a benefit in pitting them against black people. And um, of course, you probably know who John Brown is. And he was a, a white man who said, you know what? No, we're we're going to get all the poor people together, all the, you know, struggling and working people together who were affected by these horrors. And we're going to bring them together to abolish slavery and also bring freedom to people. So that definitely historically to today, that has always been a benefit or a, a means to divide people. And today, you know, it, it continues. It's, it's happening historically and people fall into it. You know, a lot of people fall into fighting amongst ourselves and not understanding that today, you know, it's of course not, you know, uh, plantation owners or those sorts of people, but today it's the rich and powerful, right? In our government and in corporate America as well, they continue to sow these seeds of distrust and division among us. So I do think that our communities understanding that these are class issues. That is literally the root of everything. When we talk about even health, right? Healthcare. Not long ago, after Missouri did a referendum on Medicaid and initiative petition and passed it, what happened in our legislature? They can't turn around and say, no, we, we don't agree with you, right? Which, I mean, the people did that. So it is always trying to take what the people's unified efforts are and instilling that division. And I definitely think that coming from that class aspect and having people to understand that these things are planned and programmed and these tactics of division are purposeful and, uh, you know, educating people about that. I definitely think that that is where our unity is going to come from, standing together and uplifting everyone, then we are going to win. And I do ultimately believe we will win against those who have the power and want to wield it against the rest of us. My name's Hartzell. More from Michelle Smith, the Director of Community Outreach with Missourians for Alternatives to the Death Penalty. Back in just a moment, it's your KC Morning Show. I began to warm and chill To objects in the fields A ragged cup, a twisted mop Face of Jesus in my soup Those sinister dinner deals Meal trolleys, wicked wheels Hook bone rising from my food All things good or ungood And the mercy seat is awaiting And I think my head is burning In a way I'm yearning to be done with all this away And up a truth, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth 
And anyway, I told the truth And I'm not afraid to die Interpret sign and catalog A blackened tooth is scarlet fog The walls are bad black bottom kind The other sick breath of mine And I hear stories from the chamber How Christ was born into a manger And like some ragged stranger Died upon the cross might I say it seems so fitting in his way He was a carpenter by trade Or at least that's what I'm told My kill hand is evil Across his brother's fist that filthy five did nothing to challenge or resist In heaven his throne is made of gold And the ark of his testament is stowed A throne from which I'm told all history does unfold Down here it's made of a wooden wire And my body is on fire is never far away My kill hand is called evil Where's a wedding band that's good Tis a long suffering shackle Coloring all that rebel blood And the mercy seat is awaiting And I think my head is burning In a way I'm yearning to be done with all this away and up the truth an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth and anyway I tell the truth and I'm not afraid to die and the mercy seat is burning and I think my head is glowing in a way I'm hoping to be done with all this away and up the truth for an eye and a tooth for a tooth And I got nothing left to lose And I'm not afraid to die And the mercy seat is smoking And I think my head is boiling In a way it's spoiling All the fun with all this truth and consequence An eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth Anyway, I told the truth, but I'm afraid I told a
Let's talk about y'all. Let's let's talk about what we're doing right now in the here and now. What Missourians for alternatives to the death penalty, which you all are working on. Can you tell us a little mm-hmm. bit about this petition? Clemency for KJ. Ooh. Could you break that down for us, my friend? I sure can. Well, I'll start with saying this. There are six men from the area of St. Louis County who are on our death row today. KJ is the first person who is looking at receiving an execution date, but there are also two men behind him. So probably between October to December, maybe January, there is possibly going to be three execution dates set. So we are, you know, doing the work again to educate the community because a lot of people don't understand that. There are times where I tell people we are act- in an actively executing state. I get blank stares. People are looking at me like, you know, they I've lost my mind or they've never heard that before or, you know, where am I coming from with this? So it is honestly about educating our communities and we go around the state. Now, you know, I'm, I am in St. Louis, but we go from Joplin up to Northeast Corner and we educate our you know communities about these issues. So KJ is the first of um, these three who are looking at being executed this year. But again, there, you know, there are two more. And then in our area, there are totally of six men on death row. And then the rest of the people on our death row are from rural Missouri. We have 18 people on death row. So the other 12 are from other counties like Cole County around Jeff City and Columbia and that area, Boone County, that's what I was thinking. So there are 12 more men on death row in our state. And this is a practice that we, you know, really want people to understand it is not just, there is no equality, there's no compassion. We think that people are more than their worst, you know, mistake. And we definitely grieve with the families. They did lose loved ones and we're never ever going to say, you know, that we, we don't um, understand and grieve and send our condolences, but we don't think that killing anyone is the answer to any healing or health of our community. And we just look at the issues, you know, like I said, mental illnesses, intellectual disabilities. Um, a lot of people have substance abuse problems. And so when we deal with those underlying issues of crime in our communities, we don't have these sorts of things. I tell our politicians all the time when people say we need to be tough on crime. I say, no, we need to be tough on the issues that cause crime. Education. Again, mental health, mental health care is so important. I do a court watch as well. I, I, I just go to different court hearings and things a lot all the time just to listen. And so many people with mental illnesses are in jail and there is nowhere for them to go and not a lot of help for them. So things like, you know, education, opportunities, mental health care, treatment of, of, of substance abuse problems. These things are what we need to combat crime and to combat everything in our communities and not, you know, be harsh and inhumane towards any population, including those who have committed what we call crimes, but anyone. So that is our work that we are um, engaging in. And it's all about community building, community education, and also educating our elected officials because a lot of them you know, we, we have something called term limits, as you know. So every six years, every two years in the House and then every six years in our state Senate, we have new people. So it's always a continuous education process with our elected officials as well. Michelle, before I let you go, 
And I think you've already explained it, I think, throughout this entire interview. But, you know, if someone is in their car right now, and I'm sure you've heard this countless times, but what's your response to them when folks say, well, you know, you're just defending a bad guy. You know, that guy, and it's usually a guy, that guy deserved it or something like that. You know, so many folks like to just maybe brush it aside as maybe a a comfort and security thing. Well, that's another bad guy that got put away. So that's something I don't have to worry about out on the streets with my kids or something like that. Why would you say that's maybe the wrong way to approach this entire situation? Well, I think that, you know, there are moments where it's you. I talk to so many mothers and wives and sisters of men who are in prison, you know, and and younger men as well, 18, 19. And they say, I never would have thought my son would have did this. You know, he started doing drugs in high school and it got out of hand and I tried to get him help and he wouldn't listen. And now, you know, he's either uh, on trial for something or have been convicted of something. So people have to understand that these things are not disconnected from us. These are our community members. These are our family members. So getting people help when they need it. I mean, you said a minute ago, normally it is men, right? But the case of Lisa Montgomery comes to my mind. Mm -hmm. Lisa Mm -hmm. is from Missouri. And she uh, actually was on federal death row and they executed her. And if you look at Lisa's history of her abuse and the things that she endured in her life and nobody helped her, the social service people, the schools, um, she actually even had a, a relative who was a police officer and she tried to you know, tell him about her abuse between her mom and her stepfather and get help. And he just kind of said he felt bad about it, but he didn't help her either. So when we have people in our community who are abused and mistreated and, you know, um, not helped in their younger years and then they grow up to do horrible things well whose fault is it our society throws people away every day like lisa and carmen who was someone else in earnest these people had histories and childhoods in their younger years that were so atrocious schools, social services, nobody wants to help them. But then later, when they grow up or are teenagers and do something horrible, now all of a sudden the system wants to pay them attention. Well, we should have paid them attention when they were crying out for that help, when they were hungry, when they were robbing stores and doing drugs to survive. As a society, we're supposed to care then as well. So that's what I really tell people. Um, I also tell people who have children with intellectual disabilities or autism or anything like that, they need to be in this movement because mental conditions, mental illnesses are one of the highest of reasons why people are incarcerated and on death row. And I talk to so many mothers who, of course, you love your children, but when you have an, an autistic child who is 20 or 21 and, you know, a lot of times too big for you to deal with physically, right? You can't restrain them. And people just like, I don't know how to get them help. Um, they're adults now. It's a little more difficult for me to do that and their loved one goes and does something i get calls literally all the time i also do prison work anyway you know with helping people who are incarcerated so i talk to mothers and and wives and sisters and these are regular people too the same people who would say oh that bad person did something they're related to that bad person who did something so we have to you know not be so selfish and see that our entire community is connected right and do that work to help people and not judge everyone because they thought the same thing. I never would have thought my son would have did that. I never would have thought, you know, my husband would do this or do that. So it is all about not judging people in that mindset, but really looking at the underlying causes of our issues of crime and, and just a trauma in our communities and doing that work to, to alleviate it. We have a saying in one organization I'm with, it's called We Keep Us Safe. So it is up to us as a community to do that work to make sure that anyone falling through the cracks, you know, any kids who are 
uh, uh, suffering and you know not being neglected at home and those sorts of things people need to stand up and, and do something about it and that's really what's going to stop crime not saying lock them up and throw away the keys that's not going to stop anything it's going to continue cycles of violence you know i probably should have ended the interview there but i'm just i'm fascinated by you and by your work i gotta ask you what gives you that spark every day to to do what you do to make the calls the letters to physically go to the jails and to the families and that's hard work we appreciate you doing it but i I know I couldn't do it. Yeah, it is definitely hard work. I'll say that I am um, uh, personally impacted. Um, I have been incarcerated myself, but beyond that, the people I love are incarcerated. I'll talk about someone named Lamar Johnson. Your listeners might know who Lamar is. Lamar is a man from St. Louis. He's been in prison for 27 years and Lamar is innocent. And that's not just me saying he's innocent. He's been proven innocent by the investigation by our circuit attorney's office. But because of the laws of Missouri and how things are so unequal and inequitable, Lamar remains incarcerated. We are trying to uplift his name and get him out of prison. Of course, we all know the name of Kevin Strickland, right? Who was in prison for 42 years, wrongfully convicted. And there are other people, Christopher Dunn and Maurice Davis and uh, Patty Pruitt. Patty has been in prison Oh, since 1985. These people are innocent, right? And I also do work with the wrongfully convicted and support them as well. This system is so unjust. I don't call it criminal justice system. I normally call it the criminal legal system. But there is no justice. And when I look at people like those people who've gotten those sentences or somebody like Bobby Bostic who was sentenced to 241 years when he was 16 years old. Just how unjust the system actually is and how it's not actually helping anyone that really gives me the drive that I need every day to try to do my little part to make it better. You know, I implore people like you and your listeners who, like you said, everyone can do this as a full-time job and I understand that. But what I ask of people who, you know, understand that of themselves to help us a little bit. People like me who are doing this as a full time job if you know we just need a little support from those people who aren't doing it but they care so you know signing our petitions and our info can be found on madpmo.org and also on social media we're at madpmo on all social media platforms so things like signing our petitions following our work making phone calls sometimes we ask people to call the governor or call the attorney general's office and just let them know how you feel as a citizen and as a taxpayer in the state and how you don't agree with the things they're doing so those little things Things that we need from our supporters that can help our work and make an impact and you know help us to keep going so I definitely implore people who care and who want to make a difference but don't know how to get involved even a little bit. Michelle Smith she is the director of community outreach for Missourians for alternatives to the death penalty. One more time Michelle can you plug the handles and where folks can go? I sure will. Again, our website is madpmo.org and our social media handles is madpmo and that's on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And if you go to our website, KJ, Kevin Johnson's petition is the first thing that you see and you can sign that. And also there's so much other information. We have uh, abolition gear. So you can buy like t-shirts, you know, and stickers and, and that kind of thing, you know, that you can buy to support us as well. So those are our sites, madpmo. Michelle, in solidarity, thank you for all your work. We appreciate you, and we're going to win this thing. You're right. We're going to win this. Thank you. Thank you so much. I definitely look forward to speaking to you again. You have a good day. Your style is unorthodox, but effective. The Casey Morning Show. When I was young, I fell in love with you. Still, hands, man, that was enough. We grew up 
Started to touch, used to kiss underneath the light on the back of the bus And I, I know your daddy didn't like me much And he didn't believe me when I said you were the one, no Every day, she found a way out of the window to sneak out late She used to meet me on the east side In the city where the sun don't set and every day you know that we ride through the back streets in a blue Corvette Baby, you know I just wanna leave tonight We can go anywhere we want Drive down to the coast, jump in the sea Just take my hand and come with me, yeah We can do anything if we put back. On your KC Morning Show, back by standing ovation, ladies and gentlemen. Raven Reed, she is a singer, a songwriter, an actor, a dancer, a coach. She does it all, and she does it all sounding so good. Raven, you got a new single out. <laughs> it is called Another Thing Coming. Welcome back to the show, my friend. Hi, how are you? We're doing great. How are you doing is a better question. I am so good. I'm glad to be back. So we got a new single. It sounds excellent. We're going to play it at the end of this interview. So on this evolution of Raven Reed, by the time that we get to another thing coming, where are we at on this thing? So with this song, you know, everybody goes through everything, up and down, relationships, friendships. With this song, I love upbeat, even if the message is sad. I don't know why. It's just always been my thing. Like, I listen to a sad song, and I'm just like, man, but can we make it, like, a little funky? Like, <laughs> can we make it a little upbeat? So with this, it's just kind of telling a story that is personal to me, and I know a lot of other people have gone through, but I still wanted to make it upbeat. So when you're listening, you can still vibe to it and not be so, like, dang, that's tough. <laughs> I think of, you know, songs of the summer, you know, they got that catchy beat that you remember, it's yes. a vibe, especially when you want to actually talk about some real shit, you want it to stick, right? A lot of the songs that I've done are very like personal to me, you know, everything through art is coping, whether it's dance, acting, like you're telling a story. Like, I mean, the message is pretty heavy if you sit and listen to just the lyrics specifically, but me, I'm a very upbeat person. If you know me, I love dancing and being around people and just like I'm an extroverted person. And so I wanted something that would still make people feel happy if they're just listening to the music, but still be like, wow, that's really relatable. So it's not too heavy, but it's enough to where you're like, yeah, like I completely get that. Or it takes you to a time where you're like, man, I remember when X, Y, and Z, but you're still having fun and vibing and you can bump it with the windows down in the summer. Because at the end of the day, we just want to bump with the windows down in the summer. I mean, that's the goal, exactly. right? That's that's the best feeling ever. So how has everything been? You've got a bunch of tracks you've released the last few months and it seems like the sky's the limit, my friend. Yeah, it's been it's been really exciting. It's been a fun process. Like I said, I started music during COVID time, which I feel like everybody did, but it was just a fun process getting to finally sit down and put everything that I wanted to do, my own original stuff, and actually put it out there. And like the feedback's been fantastic. My support system, my friends, family, people I don't know, they've given a lot of really good feedback. So it's just motivation for me to keep doing what I love. I mean, at the end of the day, everyone's goal is just to live doing what they love and to be able to say that I'm getting to be able to do that is really exciting. He used to meet me on the east side. She used to meet me on the east side. 
He used to meet me on the east side She used to meet me on the east side In the city where the sun don't set City where the sun don't set what are some some words of wisdom? If you could go back to Raven pre-COVID and say some things to her, what would you say now? Oh, man, the things I would tell her, <laughs> um, probably just to push even harder. I am a very, I used to be, I'm still working on it, but I was a very hesitant person. Like I said, I didn't even start singing until covid and like my college years because i didn't think that i could this whole time i thought oh i'm just an actress and dancer i need to stick to one thing so if i could tell myself anything especially pre-covid just really believe in the talent that you were given everyone is given some kind of gift and if you have one and you just sit on it and don't do anything with it like it's truly going to waste and for me if i can wear many hats then i want to wear them and look good in all of them and just have the confidence to go for it and stop being a weenie. <laughs> I love that. I always tell my friends, there's plenty of room on the plate if you just stack up. You know, don't stack across, stack up. Exactly. I love that. I love that. Where's Raven Reed headed? I know you're scheming on something and I know it's going to sound good. So what's uh, what you working on? <laughs> I am currently working on two other singles and hopefully a project next year. I'm not putting like a definitive timeline because I'm also one of those people where I have goals. But if I give myself specific dates, I don't want to like rush anything or force anything. When I put something out, I want it to be what I want it to be and make sure that it's like perfect to me not rushing just because people are like hey why haven't you put anything out yet or you know what i mean so i'm working on two songs one is an r&b style so i'm branching out and trying something different which i'm really excited about and then just finding more of my sound i think i have an interesting sound like i can't even really describe it if people ask what style it is i'm like oh i don't know i just kind of like do the things and we make the music and we put it out <laughs> so it's kind of just finding where I fit in and tell them more stories. From those early tracks that we were listening to, I mean, this is like an evolution of who Raven Reed is. And I, I think it's an amazing journey that we're all on with you. So plug the handles, my friend. Where can folks go to hear more of you? So my handles for everything is Raven R33D because I'm Raven Reed. That is for my Instagram, my Twitter, and then my Spotify and Apple Music and YouTube is just Raven Reed and you'll be able to find me. Luckily, my name is not that common, so it kind of works out for me. What you were saying about the evolution, the song is basically just finally standing your ground and finally finding the confidence in yourself to say like, I have enough self-worth for me where I know what I deserve and thank you but no thank you <laughs> raven reed another thing coming it's out now and right now it's on your casey morning show raven thank you so much my friend come back and see us yeah thank you for sure yes walking on eggshells don't know what you all get putting me through hell something you'll soon regret you try to come and go like you never left I tried to make you home, but now I'm scared to death Our final goodbye Nothing left to cry No more back and forth, I know that we've ran a course You treated me like shit, the wonder why I go Can't keep you so close, can't keep you so You always thought that I'd be right 
You're listening to the KC Morning Show.